to the DIY Animation Show, where we get to the heart of what it means to be an independent animator. I'm Lauren Morse. And I'm Jessica Dahl. Together with our guests, we'll explore tips, tricks, the psychological, the fundamental, and above all, how to make whatever you can with whatever you've got. From the keys to the breakdowns and everything in between. The timing's right to do it yourself. Let's get rolling! of the DIY Animation Show. Yeah. Welcome. Season four. Season four. Welcome here. Ah, oh, fabulous. Welcome here. What kind of a phrase is I that? I think it's... Welcome. <laughs> you are most welcome here. You are the most welcome to the here's and the nows. <laughs> I like it. I, I think that can work pretty much anybody, anytime, anywhere. It's very versatile. It kind of makes me think of like a really cozy inn that you've just entered into. There's like a fire in the fireplace. There's a few people in the corners sipping something nice. And you're just like, you are most welcome in this place. Oh, that sounds nice. I want to go there. That sounds lovely. So good. But good news, it's it's like we're here right now, because that's what we're like, right? Yes. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I'm like the crazy weird innkeeper, and Jess is the shiny girl at the bar. <laughs> I was going to say I'm like the 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 crazy cat in the inn or something. <laughs> not even like not even like a, a human. I don't even know. <laughs> oh, I love it. So good. We got a good thing going here. Yeah. And, uh, You're welcome in our weird animation inn anytime. Always. <laughs> Just make yourself comfortable and chill out. Uh, it's all good. Oh my gosh. Man, so DIY, a ton happened this summer. It's been amazing. So many things. Yeah, I think we had a lot of like hallmarks, actually. It was really cool. Lauren and I, we took DIYA on the road to Denver Pop Culture Con for the very first time. So DIY was at a big old convention, and it was awesome. It was super awesome. Man, there's so many people there. I think um, it's a really big show anyways. Uh, we both had a great time. Mm -hmm. If you stopped by the booth, said hello, it was so nice to meet you in person yes. and it was also really cool to just meet a lot of new people in general and yeah so if you're listening now hello and thank you for stopping by and oh my goodness and also welcome to the show if you're a new listener we're so happy to have you here super thrilled mm -hmm. so exciting yes that reminds me of the um that meme with uh with the dog and it's like oh yes such excite much wow <laughs> <laughs> much listener much li <laughs> new so shine so shine much glitter but, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh it was so good mm -hmm. the joy of it will be in my heart forever indeed indeed but hey you know where else uh we have captured the joy of that show where else oh uh, maybe in a wrap-up blog post on the website <laughs> it's true yes <laughs> if you weren't able to be there or perhaps you also want to relive your memories of the delightful event there is a wrap-up blog post for our denver pop culture con highlights so you could definitely catch up on that and as part of our season break content Jess gave us a particularly brilliant blog post all about quotable quotes for when times get 
tough. Mm. So if you want some extra reading materials and a super gritty boost of determination, highly recommend you check that out. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's so good. I was like, yes, I feel ready for work now and I feel ready to tackle anything that comes my way. <laughs> so thank you, Jess. Aww. I needed it. Oh, you are you are most welcome. I'm, su- I'm super happy to, uh, to write it. I've been listening to a lot of really great podcasts this summer and just reading a lot of really great articles. And I was just trying to think about like, how can I express all of this really cool stuff that like I've learned and heard and I'm trying to like capture in my own life and um really happy with how it turned out and I'm glad you like it too yeah yeah I feel like um there's been a lot of milestones this summer Mm -hmm. oh yeah also Lauren and I are both 30 whoa Whoa. when did that happen (laughs) how did that happen we each have a birthday that's like a week and a half apart from each other and Mm -hmm. how crazy is that it's really crazy I love it uh also yeah we're both like super cool adults now so what Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. From everything that I've witnessed, people just get super cool in their thirties. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, right? I, me too. I, <laughs> I'm just like it's happening. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> I can feel the change coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So before we dive into the episode, we have a really great one for you today. Lauren and I are doing something a little new where we talk about what we've individually been up to. Yeah. We're going to try that out. And it's just kind of to fill you in the blanks of what we do while you're not listening to the episode that you're currently listening to. (laughs) Yes. Well said. So, I don't know. If it's not interesting, you can tell us. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Just skip ahead to our interview with our guest. That's super cool. But if you want to, like, hang out for a couple of minutes, we will regale you with tales of what we've been doing. Yeah. Speaking of, what have you been up to, Lauren? I went and traveled for a whole month. Yeah. In the United States and only did three states. So (laughs) I am constantly astonished at how big America is. It's very large. (laughs) But it was super cool because... I got to hang out with Jess for two of those four weeks and two of the best weeks ever done anything ever. You're awesome. It was super good. It was so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) And there were even two tornadoes involved, which I genuinely thought this could be my moment that I leave this mortal coil. (laughs) But fortunately for you, or maybe not fortunately, depending on how you view it, I am still here and still very much excited to be doing the DIY animation show. Yes. It's all good. I have to say, you did a really great job during those tornadoes. It was literally within the first, like, two days that you were here. <laughs> and so you just, you handled it like a champ. Like, like it was nothing. You're like, I got this. And you just, like, it was super cool. I was, I was very impressed. <laughs> it's only because you and Josh were so, like, you know, we're just, we're just going to go and sit in the bathroom now. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, I can, I can sit in a bathroom. That's fine. Um, <laughs> genuinely thinking, how long do we have to be in here for? Will things crash in through the windows? Are the cupcakes safe? Because the first tornado happened when we went to a cupcake shop. And <laughs> yeah. I was just like, well, at least I got something to eat in here with me. So it's true. It was, it was a, thrilling. You had, a, you had a very unique, like, first tornado experience. I did. It was pretty great. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure there can be many better than that. Yeah. So, yeah, tornadoes, what a way to start it off. Uh, and then we had Denver Pop Culture Con and everything that's in and around Denver, like Garden of the Gods. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's, that's the most beautiful. beautiful thing I've ever seen. I never thought I'd see something in it like that. 
just astonishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had a super chilled out week in Burbank, which was really nice. I was just sitting outside in the sunshine, which for a Brit is very important. <laughs> and <laughs> I got to go to the Ground Zero Animation Expo, got to hang out with some animation and art friends. And that was super cool. I got to top up my knowledge from the Ground Zero talks as well. And then since being back in the UK, I've been simultaneously working on Sid and Squid GIFs, trying to keep my hand in with my, you know, hand-drawn animation. And you can see those on my Instagram. And also looking for a new job because I had to quit my job before I went travelling. But it's all good because I've got one. I'm literally, a point of recording, I've had three days there and I really, really enjoy it. I actually look forward to work every day, which is super cool. That's really awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's not been a full week yet, but I've got a good feeling about it. (laughs) Dang, man. So yeah, I think travelling was probably the best thing I have ever done. I just feel so rejuvenated. It gave me a lot of time to think about art things and what I want out of my creative life and life in general and just made me feel a lot freer about trying different types of art and making the art that I want to make and it's just super cool so if you get the chance to do it even if it's a weekend somewhere or even if it's not very far away I just find that physical distance where you're not in your usual place just really I don't know, it just really gets the brain working and the creative juices flowing. I just love it so much. Mm. I want to go traveling again, but now I can't because I've got a job. (laughs) (laughs) You got this job. That you love. Both a blessing and a curse. (laughs) Man, that's so cool. But yeah, so that's me. That was my summer, and I think it's probably the best summer I could have wished for, especially as it was around my 30th birthday. I couldn't have imagined doing anything better. It was so good. Yeah. Oh, also, just going to throw this out there. I think you threw axes on your birthday, which is really (laughs) cool. (laughs) I did. I got to throw axes and do archery and play with catapults. It was super good fun. If you get the chance to throw axes i highly recommend it so good how can you not recommend it that's so so satisfying (laughs) it's amazing so yeah also super excellent best birthday party indeed (laughs) how about you jess what have you been up to all the things So, yes, it has been a whirlwind of a summer as well, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's been really great overall. You visited. That was amazing and so much fun. And yeah. and then, of course, Denver Pop Culture Con and seeing Denver and uh, eating sweets in Denver because there's this one really, really good sweet shop that's there and <gasps> oh bakery, gosh. and I just, oh, my gosh, I'm just mouth drools whenever I think about it it's uh it's so good my days it's called Grammys it's called Grammys if 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 you are ever in Denver you need to go there go to Grammys it's perfect that's like it's like like imagine saying you're like like hey grandma but it's Grammy go to Grammys it's this amazing Italian bakery with really good pizza and stuff too it's Perfect. Oh, my gosh. It sets you up for days. We actually (laughs) split one of their little cereal crispy marshmallowy bar things. It was like a fruity pebble rice crispy block. It wasn't even like like a little thing. It was like a block of delicious fruity pebble rice crispy 
Oh, it was huge. Was so so we split that between the two of us, and mine lasted me the following week. Yes. <laughs> I think, like, I, I, I remember that once you came came back to Tulsa. I still had some, you didn't I? You still like, some. a week and a half. And I, was oh just, I was really impressed by your level of self-control with, like, just not devouring the rest of it. Because I, I don't know if I could have held out that long. Because, dang, It man. was difficult, but... <laughs> Bad things happen when I have too much sugar. <laughs> well, I mean, bad. It's, that's the point of view. No, but no, no. I, I totally, I totally get what you mean. It's best not yeah. to give me too much yeah. sugar. <laughs> it's sugar in moderation. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Anywho. Anyways, but yeah, so that was definitely, like, a huge highlight of the Denver trip. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I got to see Amanda Palmer perform for the first time. That oh, was yeah. super cool. And oh, my gosh got to go to Corpus Christi uh, to visit family and hang out on the beach. So, like, that happened literally, like, a week ago. That was really, really nice. Yeah. In terms of work things, uh, like, I've had some work stuff sort of change. So, for me, I've been really, I've kind of been, like, reassessing my career path in terms of, like, what do I actually want to do? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's been, like, there's been a lot of um, soul searching this summer and just really trying to figure it out. Uh, I've actually been applying to part-time jobs and things just to get some income coming in so that I can like even just do some personal work which like I just I just don't know I'm so excited (laughs) I I really like I I really want to do freelance storyboarding and freelance duty character animation but I also have personal projects that I want to do so I'm just sort of just kind of figuring it all out right now and by figuring it out I'm just I'm trying to get stuff done a quote that I heard this summer, if you want to go to quotable quotes, it was from uh, Jason Brubaker, and he said something along the lines of, and it's not going to be verbatim, but essentially that a project has impact just for the fact of it being completed. So basically when you finish work, like it's already going to have some manner of impact because you've completed it. So I've really just been trying to focus on completing stuff, and it's felt so good and I'm seeing, like, really big improvements in my work, and I just feel very, like, satisfied with everything. And actually, that being said, uh, if you go to my Etsy right now, I have a brand new Steven Universe illustration up on there that I'm so excited about. I've been working at it for uh, for a good while, and it's a big compilation of, uh, like, uh, pretty much all the main cast, and I just love how it's turned out. I think it's my best illustration so far. It's so good. Thanks. I would second that. Yeah. You just pulled it out of the bag, nailed it. Thanks, man. It's so good. I love it so much. And I'm so glad that you decided to hold back on it and just just give it a bit more time because I think that really paid off. Me too. There was there was literally a day before we were supposed to drive the 12 hour drive to Denver that I was like, Lauren, I think I should try like an 18 by 24 inch <laughs> illustration and it's inked. It's not colored or anything. And I'm like, Lauren, I think I should try to color this for the con. And I had like, and I just had this like weird half day of being like, should I work on it? I shouldn't work on it. I should really work on it. I was like, <laughs> I could color flats for you if you want we're like tag team Uh and just like i got halfway through the day and i was like i'm being crazy right now what am i thinking (laughs) and like i think that was a big turning point actually because since then i've just tried to do things at my own pace and again just focus on getting them done and it's just been so gratifying um and like i'm just i i don't want to be like, I think my big revelation for the summer, just to wrap up, is that I don't want to be busy anymore. I want to... Well, that's just it. I don't want to be busy anymore. I want to be effective. Mm. Um, and when I say effective, I just mean I want to be 
really satisfied and happy in a way with uh, the quality of work that I'm producing, the quality of the life that I'm creating, and also just that I'm able to enjoy all of my time, whether I'm working or having downtime and spending it with loved ones, just all of that good stuff. So it's been great. So now this month I'm prepping for Lightbox Expo, getting my demo reel ready and uh, all that good stuff. And um, stoked. <laughs> and that's everything there. <laughs> I'm so. super stoked for you. Thanks, man. Gonna be so good. Uh, I'll, I'll come back with some updates on how Lightbox Expo went and everything. I think it's going to be a blast. I'm so, yes. I'm so excited. It's going to be good. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. So with all of that being said, we have a brand new guest for you today. Yes. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Kicking off season four is... None other than Kate Sullivan, powerhouse and pioneer behind Moon Animate Makeup 1 and 2. I was so excited for this interview. I love those videos so much. Ah, They're amazing. Yes. And one of the very first collaborative fan animations in our internet era. Mm -hmm. So Kate organized a huge team of volunteer animators to completely reanimate an episode of Sailor Moon assigning each animator a clip of their own to reanimate in their own style. It's just super cool. The final thing looks amazing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. But it was no easy task. Sifting through demo reels, organizing countless assets, keeping track of her contributors' progress, and updating spreadsheets like there was no tomorrow. She went into this project with no other goal than to create a really cool thing in celebration of one of her favorite shows. Little did she know the impact that this project would have on the animation community and that it would set a precedent for reanimating fan collaborations everywhere. Yes! So if you'd like to check out the fruits of her and her contributors' labor, Moon Animate 1 and 2, you can check them out in the blog post where we have links, diyanimation.show forward slash diya20. That's two zero. Yeah. It was such fun to talk with Kate this interview. It's also one of our most wide-ranging conversations so far, I think. (laughs) In addition to giving a look at the project management side of Moon Anime and the effort that's involved, she also gives us plenty of real talk on the state of 2D animation, what makes a brilliant demo reel, and what hustling really looks like. It's great stuff. And if you're interested in producing a giant fan collaboration of your own, or effectively participating in one, buckle up! And get ready for Kate! Let's dive in. Obviously, you have headed up several amazing collaborations. Thank you. Can you tell us what it is about collaborations that you really love? Um, there's a whole lot of it. It's one of the things I really like is um, it gives me the chance to do a lot of the production management I enjoy. Because there's so much that's contract work and um, it's kind of hit or miss sometimes, you know, if you get the job or not. And this way I'm able to just keep doing what I love. One of the best parts is that, you know, there's just so much work that goes into it, especially just doing a lot of breakdowns of, you know, dialogue, of scenes, um, just, you know, picking off everyone's shots, making sure you're all in touch. Mm -hmm. And it's when they all start coming in and it's like, oh, my God, this is Christmas. I'm just I'm getting new little pieces of animation every day. 
you know, because let's make a thing. Mm -hmm. So that's just, that's just so rewarding when I start getting new clips. And like when, I, when I'm doing a big thing, like a whole episode of Sailor Moon, then sometimes it can get overwhelming. I'm like, okay, let's make sure everything goes in the right folder and my records are up to date. <laughs> but it's just, that's just the best part is just seeing people just really put their heart and soul into this. And it just, it always looks so great. Yeah. Oh, oh that sounds wonderful. <laughs> that's really, really good. Yeah, as far as fan works go, Reanimating a whole episode of a beloved TV series like Sailor Moon for Moon Animate Makeup is, it's really, really cool. It's almost like you have a lot of uh, mini movies stitched together by the time you're done with everybody's different styles. What led you to the idea of reanimating an entire episode of Sailor Moon? Um, I was influenced by a few different things. The year before was when the Bart Kira comic project was going on by uh, James Harvey and Ryan Humphrey. And um, obviously I've done some more work with them since then. And I kept missing out on these collaborations. There's a short film I participated in called Guard Dog Global Jam, which is, I think definitely you could say is the precursor to Moon Animate. Uh, Bill Plimpton has this terrific film called Guard Dog, mm -hmm. and uh, he wanted to reanimate it so every shot had a different animator. And I lunged at the opportunity to be part of that. It was actually when my wrist uh, had been had blown out when I was in college, um, so animating was very difficult. And the shot I did, I it was really limited. Mm -hmm. um, but it was still this terrific idea where you got to see a whole bunch of different styles put together for this really funny short. And I feel bad. I don't reference him enough, but I mean, that really is where the idea kind of got started was, you know, Bill definitely did, had this idea first and I kind of ran with it when I did this one. Um, so, you know, the Bart Kira project had come out and I was really happy with that. And I was thinking to myself, uh, you know, what would the, uh, animation version of that be? And, um, it really just one thought led to another. And I said, well, you know, Sailor Moon's having its 25th anniversary this year. That new series is coming out next year. God, I guess it could be Sailor Moon. And my next thought was like, oh, God, I have to do this now, don't I? <laughs> it, just, it was fate. It was. And I, um, I spent the next week or so just kind of figuring out, okay, which one do I want to do? And I, I went with one of the first episodes I saw because I never watched from the beginning. It was just, you know, you channel surf and like, oh, this thing is on. So it's definitely like something you can like, you don't need to know a lot about the show. You can just kind of start watching and be like, okay, well, I, I know the fundamentals. So it's, you can still follow along. And um, I'd never done anything like that before where it just did done something on that scale um, from start to finish. But it was, I, I had to sort of, um, it just felt like I was standing in front of a fog, but I knew how to, how to walk through it. Like I knew which way to go. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was really wonderful that I was able to just kind of see all the pieces and put them all together. I spent, it had to have been 11 hours after work one day. I just sat down and I broke the whole episode down, um, wow. just by sequence and then by shot. Um, and I was a lot more thorough than I was with this one. Um, sad. Okay. These characters are in this one. Um, you know, here's the dialogue, here's the effects, here's the background. And then this time I was just like, I just looked at the clip. I'm like, which one is this? Like, oh yeah, she can handle it. She'll have that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's just how I got started. And, um, you know, like it started in your garage, you get started in your closet. You just kind of work with the resources you have. And I had never done anything with fundraising or anything like that, but I just figured, you know what, we're all doing this for fun. Let's just obviously, you know, could get sued if we tried to do anything for money. So, you know, if you got some free time and you want to jump in, awesome. And a lot of people were very accommodating of that. I'd say only about 10, maybe 15% had to drop out. Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, life happens. You know, a lot of people, you know, like work has come up or something's going on with the family or they just don't have time. And it's, or sometimes you just don't hear from them. And it's like, all right, well, that happens. Yeah. Like, no biggie. So, it's, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, like if it's, you know, it's a paying gig and there's like a deadline for a big client, you know, it's one thing. But this is like, we're all doing this for fun. I'm 
I'm not going to crawl up your ass about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's super cool. With both the moon animates, both of them, and uh, Bark Hero, the animated trailer, it seems that they were a great opportunity to bring people together through a mutual love of Sailor Moon or a mashup between The Simpsons and Akira. Mm-hmm. What is it about collaborations that cultivate that community spirit, do you think? Gosh, I'm not too sure. I think it's, um, you know, fandom is a very collaborative place. You know, it's something I haven't been a part of for a while, but it's it was just really wonderful. Just had a great influence on me growing up where it's this um, it's this great community. And, um, you know, there's only like a finite amount of work that's created for the thing you love. And a lot of times, you know, you want a story resolved or there's a situation that you didn't see happen. So that's how you get fan fiction. That's how you get fan art. And a lot of people just build on it. And, you know, that's how you get these memes going. Um, God, I mean, look at all the Steve and Bucky fan art that's coming out over <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> so there's like all this artwork cross up where people are like all right well if they're not gonna make it then you know we're gonna make our own stuff so it's just it's really I, fandom is just kind of i think brought on that collaboration and, and um what's really terrific now is that i feel like technology is getting to a point where um a lot of stuff you know you needed to be in the same room or there's a lot more like hard materials you had to work with you know it was only like 20 years ago that animated films still had to all be done on paper you know all had to be shot on film or else you were looking at like serious render times mm-hmm. and um there's like so much more that can be done on the computer so i felt like you know for animation i feel like we're going to see a lot more stuff now because so many so many people are studying animation so much more can be done on your computer i mean there's just beautiful work i've seen like a lot of fan animation for cora for i think for sailor moon and because it's it's a lot easier now to get it done to just create your work and put it out there. And, you know, a lot of times it'll be seen by the creators and, you know, they love it. Mm. It almost seems like the drive to see this thing be made a reality, like within the fandom that all the fans are calling for. It's almost like it's kind of like that mutual mutual interest is really bringing everyone together to sort of bring this thing into a reality, at least. Yeah, I think it's also a lot of the work that we want to see done is not what, say, the marketing department of these big places wants to do. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, my God, you know, I just thought perfect example. Look at Deadpool. That was something a lot of people were clamoring for. And then it's like, oh, it's not going to happen, this and that. I think Ryan Reynolds was saying it was like 10 years in the process. Like he wanted to do this. Wow. Mm-hmm. Then the footage got leaked. And I remember like we all lost our minds. <laughs> was it like, like oh, leaked, my. quote unquote? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like... It was funny he mentioned that. He's like, yeah, it might have been one of us. <laughs> but I mean, you watch it and it's like, why aren't you making this movie? This is hysterical. This It's different and it's good. And, you know, they finally made it. And I heard they even cut like seven million out of the budget. That's why they didn't have the gunfight at the wow. end. Oh, you know, I was wondering if that like there was supposed to be something like at, at the I, mean, I didn't know that. I, yeah, that's that's why he left the guns in the cab because uh, the budget got cut. And it's like, oh, what do you, what happened? It's now the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. That is hilarious. I feel like <laughs> I don't, for some like I feel like. If they did have any restrictions with Deadpool, they made so many things work in that movie. Like, uh, like almost to, like, the better of the movie. Like, I'm sure a really huge uh, fight scene at the end with the guns and everything would have been fantastic. But that was so but darn still, funny. Like, yeah, there's definitely something to, um, I'm sure there's an actual phrase for it. Uh, necessity, creativity, but just, like, limitations, I think, just, like, just push your creativity further. Because it's like, okay, I've, okay, I wanted $20. I only have $5. How am I going to make this work? Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you just have to get a lot smarter about it i mean i've noticed usually terry gilliam's films like the ones with the smaller budgets are the ones that just really bring out you know his best work and then the ones that you know he spends too much on then it's like all right well we'll see but i mean it's terry gilliam who the hell am i to say like well you know he's all right yeah, the, man's, <laughs> okay. the man's a genius mm-hmm. and um but i mean there's a lot of i mean look at um 
you know, network TV too. I mean, a lot of the stuff on the Simpsons is just like some really, really clever stuff. I mean, uh, family guy has talked at length about how they have to barter swear words. And, and so there's a lot like that. And that's, um, that's kind of how this project got going too, was I figured, you know, like I don't have a studio, I don't have money. I don't have all this other stuff, but it's really just, I have a thing and I want to make it happen. How do I make it work? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how like a lot of my stuff goes now. It's like, you know, it's especially with the way, um, you know, these world economies are right now, the way jobs are, the way wages are. It's, I think this is something uh, Chris talked about too in one of his tweets or a blog post where everybody asks, you know, how do I put together a pitch Bible? You know, how do I get my stuff in front of Disney? Mm-hmm. And he said, listen, the way things are right now, don't come to us. We'll come to you. Yeah. Just put your work out there. We will find it. Because um, when I worked in house and places, you know, if somebody had a great film or if there was something really cool, that got passed around immediately. It's It immediately just goes around on the email thread that's like, have you seen this? And everyone chimes in or sometimes we'll be like, hey, we should give that guy a test. And it's just a great way to just show work. And I think there is still, animation's weird. It's in this kind of, um, I think there's still a lot of like 20th century methods that we're using when things are so completely different now. There's like a lot of, a lot of the old guards still around and they're terrific, but a lot of discussions are still about the nine old men this or Hanna-Barbera that rather than figuring out, okay, there's all this new software coming out. What more can we develop with that? And you see people creating great works like Natasha Allegri and Rebecca Sugar mm-hmm. who have just got their work done online and they just create this beautiful stuff. But I feel like so much of the establishment is still about the stuff that's in the 20th century. Um, when I was in school, um, I had good teachers, but uh, storyboarding made me nuts because we learned which is we learned in a style that has not been used in literally decades. And I'm, you know, precocious to put it lightly. Um, <laughs> I was always jumping up and down about it. I said, you know, why don't we do like a test for a show? And, you know, we got notes on like, cause those are completely different. You know, you storyboard in school and I feel like a lot of the times, you know, you're not drawing stuff on model, which you have to do for TV, like in film, it can be different or, you know, you draw it like comic panels or there's no changes in camera angles. And yeah, I just feel like if you're going to college, you know, you should be getting trained for the workforce rather than just, you know, oh, just make your art. I mean, you can do that anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be able to be like, okay, well, how do I really, you know, get this done? Because animation is collaborative. Like it is, like, it's very, very hard to like do this all by yourself. I mean, even like my stuff, I'm just on the production side of things. You know, there's some stuff I've definitely had some troubles with. Like the first one animate I did, I was trying, this was still the English version. So they had these transitional graphics uh, between scenes. And I had no idea how I was going to put that together. And I was like, oh, I'll have to do it myself. I'll figure it out. And this wonderful woman, Neil Smith, wrote me and she said, like, you know, I do these for fun. Um, is there any way I can contribute? And I was like, oh, my God, you just saved my life. So um, there's a lot of stuff I've learned on my own. And I've talked to a lot of classmates who feel they've learned more outside of school. But um and again, I feel like I've touched on like five different subjects within this question. No, <laughs> I feel like um, it's just been a matter of just like sitting back and listening. And I've just been like, this is also great. Yeah, this yeah. So good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's still like a lot of stuff that we kind of learned that was like very old school that is just not being used anymore. You know, it's like I've talked to a few teachers about this and, you know, especially the focus on strictly character animation, which is kind of like going to film school and only learning how to act. Mm-hmm. Not learning about editing or lighting or set dressing or, uh, you know, art direction. It's just kind of, you know, focus on your reel, you know, focus on your acting. And it's like, well, a lot of us are not going to be actors. A lot of us, our skill set is in many other areas. And I still feel like the focus is on, like, you know, just do the do the thing. Like learn how to I was traditionally sort of thing. Yeah, like- in a ways. Where I went to school, it was, they gave you a little more free reign. Um, so if you wanted, a lot of people animated in Psy, which is just a terrific program. Um, I have a Mac, so I can't use it. Um, a lot of people animated in Flash or they did other stuff. And um, I put together the scraps of something uh, through Photoshop. 
you know, when I graduated, I was either the same year as or the year before when um, Disney shut down their 2D feature program. And, you know, for me, I'd already made my piece. I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to be a 2D Disney animator. I'm not at that level. It's not anything my brain can really put together. But it's still, you know, it was there. You know, it's this institution. It's, you know, we all grew up on it. So that is really hard to lose that. You know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us grew up in the 90s where it was this time of, like, you know, prosperity and security. And I'd say we're absolutely spoiled by it because I'm thinking, you know, every year since 2000, it's something new. of just like, oh, God, what's going to happen this time? There is still this mentality we're raised on of, um, you know, just don't do it for the money, do it for the art. And um, when I did Bart Kira, a couple of people were telling me, you should do the movie. And I'm just like, well, you know, Fox and Toei put me on payroll. We can do it. And it's like, no, just do it for the art, man. And <laughs> I'm now at this point where, you know, it used to be do it for the art, not the money. And I'm glad the mantra is now shifting to to PG it a little bit. Up yours, pay me. Yeah. <laughs> so, because um, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I'm going to go off about, you know, living wage and all that. I'm very, I'm a very bread and roses kind of person. Um, but I think it is definitely a time where it's, it's just, it's very, very difficult now to make a living wage and still have the time and energy to do your own stuff. Cause so many of us like have like the two or three jobs and it barely gets you by, mm. but we're able to talk to each other more now about wages and, you know, just like, how are you getting treated where you are? Or just, you know, I've talked about this, you know, I have, you know, I, I work nights, I waitress and, um, it's just enough to get me by and pay my bills and you know, I'm fine because, you know, I can do that and I still have time and energy to work on my own stuff. And I have this thought every single day. I think to myself, okay, I should I should quit and get back to really hustling for animation. You know, I should apply at some other studios around here. And I, I am getting work sometimes. Like I've done some contract work here and there, and I loved it. And I'm still working at nights, and it was a hard hustle. But you know, every dollar counts, and mm-hmm. it's it's always the same worth. So I love what I do. So like every day, I think you know I should I should you know I should quit the waitress thing. I should go back to you know trying to work for a studio and doing that. And literally every single day, as soon as I have that thought, I will see a headline about, you know, this company is laying off, you know, 3,000 people. This company is laying off 15,000. Or I'll see Facebook updates from friends who've been in the industry a long time, and they're only in their 30s and 40s. And they're saying, you know, I'm really burned out. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm not enjoying art anymore. Or, you know, I want to spend more time with my kids. I'm going to go teach. And every day I see that, I'm like, it's, I'm still, I think a lot of us, and our generation still have this mentality of, okay, I have to go to work and do the job because that is what I've worked so hard to do. And it's very weird to have that all upended and realize, okay, it's gone now. It's absolutely gone. I got to figure out another way to make this work. Because, I mean, I did try, I did the day job. I did try to hustle for the mainstream stuff when I was in New York. I worked maybe one day a month. And all of that was Craigslist hustling. I, I There was one job I had. A DJ needed somebody to fill out the crowd when he was spinning on a Tuesday night. So I was just out. I would just dance in this really sparse crowd <laughs> like you would dance at a club. And I found out, okay, I can keep the beat for three hours as long as you keep me hydrated. And um, <laughs> he'd always cut me off before he could pay me more. And he's like, okay, now many more people coming out. Here's $30. But it was $30 I didn't have. Yeah. So it's... Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us are are still trying to reconcile the fact that, okay, the steady salary job is just, it's not around. I think it could come back. Um, I'm going to really go down this road, so I'm going to stop myself now. (laughs) Um, But but anyway, the thing, I really think there is this tremendous opportunity right now with how much software is available, um, how fast and easy it is to send large files to each other now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a Mac Mini from 2012 that has rendered all these past projects on After Effects. And, Ooh. you know, my girl, she's hanging in there. She's getting a little sputtery. <laughs> but um, we're, I was able to put together and edit this 
oh, is it this, this is a half an hour project and now I'm doing another one. And so it, it's, I'm able to like reach all these people around the world. And, you know, before we used to, um, you know, all work under the same roof because, you know, that's where the technology all had to be, you know, everything was sort of the hands-on need to be created. Mm-hmm. And now so much of it can be done at home. And there's still a lot of places that want you to work in house, I think for security reasons, um, because, you know, they just like having the people there and completely honest, I prefer working in another building. I like coming into work. I like seeing other people. I like the collaboration that comes from that. Yeah. But it's, there kind of doesn't need to be a reason to make people move all over the country or the globe. And a lot of the times it's for tax breaks, um, that I'm, again, I'm going to get launched. Um, I feel like all this stuff I did when I did the first moon animate, there were maybe two other people in Seattle who were in moon animate. And the rest were all over the country, all over the continent, all over the globe. Wow. But we still got this thing done. Mm. And I'm just thinking, you know what, this is going to open up so many doors because rather than make people, you know, move their whole life, like a lot of my friends in their 30s and 40s have to do. And that's why they're quitting because, you know, I want to spend time with my kids. My family is really tired of having to pack up and move every time, you know, a new job comes up. There's no reason why we all have to be in the same place. Before, we all had to be in California because that's where the work was. Now, we have to be all over the place based on where the studio is, getting you know tax cuts or just you know you know we just want to open up something here or there. We can all create this work out of our homes. Like the technology is available to us, the software is available to us, and you know it's still pricey. It's way more affordable than it ever was. So we're able to get this work done and all it comes down to is like, you have the idea, can you get the work done? And I really feel like this is going to be so much better in the long run because say, you know, like you don't want to live in California, you want to live in New York, then, you know, as long as you can get up for the meetings within the right time zone and get your stuff done, you know, you can get your stuff delivered. Um, There's so much the network security that's being, you know, improved on cloud technologies expanding like crazy. Um, Obviously still a lot of flaws in the system, but they're getting worked on at like lightning speed. I mean, where we are now versus where we are in 2000 is just astronomical difference. And I think it's only going to get better. And you got other people who, you know, they're getting older and, you know, you got to live with mom or dad because they're getting up there in years and they can't take care of themselves or they're sick. Um, I just feel it just makes so much more sense to allow people to work from their homes and create the work that way because or, you know, have the option of going into an office. You know, just downtown in Portland, there's this beautiful old building that got taken up by WeWork. And I think it's the only time I've ever, like, looked into what a promoted tweet was promoting, which was WeWork. And um, it's just this group space where, you know, you rent an office, you rent a cubicle or just a space at a desk. But you're there working with other people. Mm. And, you know, you have an office and you're able to still, you know, just go in, go in every day and, you know, get some work done or, just, you know, bounce ideas around with other people. And I just think that's such a terrific way to like not only utilize old buildings, but just really, you know, so many of us freelance and so many of us work from home, but, you know, we don't really socialize. You need that camaraderie or just need to talk to other people. And usually you get a new idea that way. So I think there's like a lot of new stuff that's happening that's going to change things for the better. And I just think we're in a weird transition right now. But I just one of the reasons why I'm doing this to answer your question, again, I'm going to do this a lot, um, is that, you know, we have this opportunity to, I think, really bring back you know, create original works of animation without having to be dependent on this old system. Um, you know, like Chris said, you know, don't come to us, we'll come to you. And if you can make time to get the work done, I know, do the day job hustle. I've got a list of people on the, the wall next to my desk to remind me, you know, Philip Glass, Julia Child, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Jonathan Larson, and all these other people, they worked very, very different jobs from what they wound up doing but it was all to support what they wanted to do. And I was like, you know what, as long as you get the work done, because even if it turns out looking like the room, you still made something. 
Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's a weird time right now. It's it's definitely a little more stressful, but it's like, you know what? I think we're going to be okay. We've got a lot of opportunity to make something really different and make changes for the better. Yeah. That's the too long, didn't read version. Of what <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that's wonderful. It's really refreshing to hear someone say, stick with what is giving you income for the moment and, you know, not to feel... I guess sometimes you can feel guilty or ashamed that you're not working in the area that you studied for, but... Oh, God. Yeah, every day. Yeah. If if that enables you to do what you love and still love it, then that's completely worth it. Yeah, that's absolutely where I'm at. And it's... Um, I was hustling uh, back in New York. I was living at home and... I was sending out resumes every single day, and it's not just enough to send out a resume. You have to send out a tailored resume, which is specifically the work experience, specifically this job. This very, very, like, don't leave anything out of place because it's mm. the wrong person's in recruiting. They're going to look at it and be like, okay, well, clearly you are you don't want the job. You want something else. Um, I was at one place I, I desperately loved. I love everyone there so much. Um, I was trying to get in for production, but I was freelancing there as an artist because, frankly, I needed the money. I just I needed the income. It was civil work. Um, it was really low impact on my wrists, so I could get a lot done. I was known for being really reliable and working really fast. But because I'd done artistic roles there, um, the person who's doing the hiring didn't trust me to be in there to join on for a production role. There was this worry that I was trying to get my foot in the door, and that was totally kosher back in the day. But um, Normally the thing is you go into production, so it's like, okay, what I actually want to do is the art. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I like running the meetings. I like supervising a department. That's fun for me. But it didn't work out, but they still kept me on as a freelancer, and I wound up working for shorter and shorter deadlines till it got to the point where I think I did, like, 200 paintings in, like, three days, and I was wrapping up an event I used to run. And I'm really proud of myself for getting that done, but I was just like, oh, my God, I can't keep doing this. I was going to say, how do you do 200 paintings in three days? That's, that's... Well, they were, they were storyboard panels, so it's um, it's a lot of just cell painting, basically. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah. um, I'll Still tell you though. right now. I'll tell you right now, you learn how to use the pen tool and it just cuts down on so much time. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just, it was really stressful because in that time I was just, I was just hustling for anything and um, it just, it wasn't happening. And a lot of the times you do have to be in the same city. If they find out you're in another city, you know, your stuff will just get tossed out. And um, people will ask me, especially about Monanimate, you know, like how do I get my portfolio in front of people? How do I get my reel in front of people? And the big thing is you got to show up, you got to meet them, um, you know, either be nice to them online on public accounts don't go facebook stalking <laughs> or go to ctn go to comic-con and you know just talk to them normally like an adult i mean gush if you need to but don't get crazy mm-hmm. but um you know, just got to be presentable you got to go meet people and um god it was really hard learning about the resumes because we never wrote one in college that's one thing you never learned how to do mm-hmm. um i was flying back from salt lake city earlier this year and i, was, I wound up chatting with the guy next to me he runs uh an ad agency and he was explaining how you know millennials don't know how to send in resumes and, you know they pay good wages and why don't they do this and that and i'm telling them like you have to tell them what you want to see mm-hmm. because otherwise they are not going to know we're not taught this stuff and it comes down to like a moral character thing i'm just like oh well you know the smartest and the most hardworking. we just don't get the information i went to the school one area for a while we um were able to present our portfolios at this professional studio and they were already really strung out from production. They're looking at our stuff like, you know, what is this? You know, how come your work isn't mounted? Why do you have all these figure drawings instead of finished work? And that's when I realized, oh, my God. So professional portfolios are completely different from the stuff we sent into college. Oh, and yeah. it's it's just, oh, my God, what was your original question? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just remembered. Yeah. I'm as far oh, as the, um, just having the day job. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is really hard. It's, I think it's not only just a matter of, you know, seeing other people succeed. You know, I have people, friends I went to school with who were directing or, you know, their shows got picked up or they're just really well known online. 
I don't, it's, I think if I was like trying to do that, then I'd be just like, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm really unhappy for them because they work their, they work their butts off for it and they absolutely deserve it. You know, I'm really happy for them. Um, I've also been extremely fortunate with the collaborations I've done. I, you know, my first moon animate, uh, my friend messaged me and she said, you're an entertainment weekly. And they do this, uh, this video, this thing called must see Monday. And I was at the very beginning. I think the Kardashians came after me. Wow. I was like, Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> so that was terrific. And I'm really happy about that. But there is definitely, um, there is this definite sense of shame of, you know, I should be working in my industry. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I should be working in my fields. You know, it's, it's a wonderful book. I think everybody needs to read it. It's Julia Child's My Life in France. And, um, was she the cook? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Yeah. She was, um, it's, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to her, you know, you know, of her growing up and, uh, I saw the Meryl Streep and, and, uh, Amy Adams movie. And I just really gravitated towards the Meryl Streep part. I'm like, this woman sounds kind of interesting. So I'm like, all right, let me read the book. And it's, it's just, it's so wonderful because she is completely unapologetically herself. There's never any doubts about like what she can do as a woman. Like she never has any doubts about that. She's in this loving, wonderful relationship with her husband. And she worked in government for the longest time. And not only that, she was a terrible cook. <laughs> she did not know how to cook. And when she tried cooking like their first dinner together as a couple, it was a disaster. She cooked for hours and it was bad. And she was just so mad about it. Like, I want to get better. And she didn't know how to cook until she was like 36 or 37 when she took classes. And that's how she found out, like, oh, here's what I'm good at. Mm. And the book is just really gets into just how she does the work. You know, it's not just enough because um, I think we do kind of get caught up, you know, in being artists. We see online, you know, the jokes and the cartoons about procrastinating and oh, I'm not really getting my work done. But the thing is, you know, the successful ones do get the work done. Mm. And I definitely fell that ra- down that rabbit hole, too, of just like, oh, gee, I don't like to work. I don't like to adults. And now I'm just very aggressively trying to catch up on that because I like doing the work. I like getting it done. Um, so it is reassuring to see somebody like Julia. She spent, I think, like six or seven years mastering the art of French cooking because it's it's so much work and it's so much money. It's testing out every single recipe. It's trying out different kinds of flour. It's testing, you know, and I think- how long each time cooks. Even the pans they're cooked in is like every single detail counts. Sorry to interrupt, but I, like, no, and no. I think that was a labor of love too, wasn't it? Like she didn't really have a book contract or anything like that. She was just like, I'm no, gonna make yeah, this she- book. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like I'm doing this because I want to do this. It's mm-hmm. it's not out there right now. So I want to get this done. Yeah. Um, John Stewart, he was a barback between comedy jobs, and oh. that's not even bartending where you know you make more good tits barbacks they cut off the limes and the lemons and they run the dishes so he did the hustle um philip glass i don't know if you heard of him he's a he's a classical composer um he does more modern yes. stuff i this was amazing when i found this out he worked as a cab driver and a plumber into his 40s wow That's and his music his music was winning international prizes um i don't know if it's the new york times but it was one of those big publications he was in the kitchen of like let's say the new york times uh music critic and the guy walks in And he's like, oh, my God, you're Philip Glass. You just won the Pulitzer. What are you doing here? And he said, I'm trying to fix your dishwasher. Can you move? Oh, man, that's amazing. (laughs) So it was just I definitely like have my doubts about just, you know, like I should be in animation. I should be in the studio doing the work or drawing the art or running the meetings or this and that. Mm-hmm. But then I saw, you know what, Philip Glass was writing his music and putting it out there and cab driver and plumber into his 40s. And he did that until he could live off of his music. He was still doing yeah. the work, but he said, you know what, I need an income. Yeah. And it wasn't anything really glamorous, too. But, it, you know, it pays well. I just have so much respect for that because it's I mean, so many of us, I think, missed out on it because we grew up with this sense of like, oh, you know, go to college, have good character, you'll get a job. 
mm-hmm. when, you know, a lot of other people definitely know they had to do the hustle. Mm. Um, and then, you know, look at Lin-Manuel Miranda. He was teaching high school English while he wrote In the Heights. And Hamilton was another labor of love. He was doing, he was working on other stuff. I think he was writing and acting in TV. Um, he wrote the Legally Blonde musical. Wow. I mean, Jesus, while he's writing Hamilton. And what? You know, just look at what, I mean, the guy's also a machine. Like, he's an absolute machine. It's incredible what he does. Mm-hmm. But it's, um... It's just a matter, I think it, it is just taking that plunge. It's, you know, you hear all the time, like, oh, it's scary, it's hard work. And, you know, you hear the words, you understand what they mean, but it doesn't really hit you until it registers how that feels when yeah. it's not just like, you know, it's easy to watch a movie and just, you know, get the montage and that's it. I mean, best example I can use is, um, you know, Look at Legally Blonde, which I think is the best movie to watch after a breakup because it immediately gets you out of, I'm going to stop thinking about that jerkwad. And I'm going to go focus on my career. Oh, my gosh. you're done with the career, it's like, oh, wait, I don't even need that jerk. Legally Blonde is like one of my all-time favorite movies. It's so it's good. It's so easily good. hands down. It's, oh, it's such amazing. a good it's, movie. It's, it's so good. good. It really is, too. And um, But the same thing there is that I think a lot of that movie takes place over the course of a year. But instead, it happens in two hours. Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. is still a sense, you know, we get the stories of like, oh, it's hard work. Got to knuckle down. And you get the montage. But you don't really get like, oh, guy, this is a lot of work. The thing I noticed was um, when I was in college, I think the art was definitely hard work because it was difficult to understand. A lot of people grasped on, onto it a lot earlier. And, you know, I'm confident in my abilities, but only so far. There's a lot of stuff I just can't do, and I'm just going to be bad at it. And it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I can do other stuff fine. I'm awesome. <laughs> um, but the thing I've learned with production is that the way I run things is that it's not hard work, but it's long work. Yeah. It just takes a long time. And I tried talking about that on the Moon Animate blog just to give people a sense of, you know, here's what I do. Because this ha- this has happened in the last few projects I've done where um, I'll start it and then something will come up in spring. There'll be another project I want to work on or, you know, I'm just busy with work and things kind of fall by the wayside. And then by the time April rolls around, it's like, oh, crap, I got to catch up. Um, and everybody has been nothing but a good sport about it. They have been so wonderful. Um, but it really is like I was breaking down for people. It was I was getting kind of overwhelmed by just how much I had to do. And none of it was like terrible, like things I had to figure out. It really was just, okay, I have to see what shots I'm missing, see who I have to email. And I had like three different Excel sheets because some of them weren't saving correctly. So I just grabbed a notebook that I have and I wrote down every seat like I wrote down the sequence each shot number and I went through all the emails and I was like okay who did I assign the shot to was the shot sent to them have I received it yet and I really just filled in like two boxes one box if I sent it two boxes if I received it Mm -hmm. because just having it out there in front of me on paper just made it so much easier and Mm. I couldn't even get all that done in one day it was it was broken down into like okay read half the emails today I got through half the emails tomorrow and it takes like five or eight hours. I mean, I have kind of a slow laptop, but it's, um, it doesn't even come down to that. It really is a matter of just like sitting down and kind of strapping your leg to the chair and just like, no, you got to sit here and do this thing that is not difficult if you just have to do it once. But if you have to do it like 50 or a hundred times, it's going to take a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with, I feel like when it comes to animation, at least for me, like the production aspect and the organization part, I feel okay enough with it, like with a spreadsheet, but otherwise it's just, it just feels like such an an overwhelming task. And then then it's just getting to moon animate. You you had like 250 plus people like working on this thing at the same time. Like I I can't fathom how you would organize something like that. It's incredible. Uh, Here's the thing. And thank you. I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) It was, that one was a little easier 
easier because they all came in gradually. Moon Animate 2 has been a little trickier because it all came in at once. Wow. So that's why I've been getting bogged down. I had people sign on in December who just got their shots in March and I wow. w- or even in April. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry it's taken this long. If you are busy and you don't have time, please let me know. Because it's – um. It's got, I can't remember the name of the kid, but you remember the kid who eats the Trunchbull's cake and she's oh, yeah. like, you have to eat the whole thing. That's what it is. Oh. If you're t- you have to chew your food. Otherwise, you choke. It really sounds like a weird little analogy, but you just get completely overwhelmed if you just don't do little bites at a time. What kind of uh, showed me that I was doing the right thing was um, Moon Anime got started and my thing was like, you know what? Let me just put in the usual Tumblr tags of like Sailor Moon animation. Enough people will see it. You know, let's see who signs on. And when I launched it, I was like, oh my God, no one's going to sign up. What am I doing? But then three people signed up and um, I started to get like 40 or 50. And so I decided, okay, because this started in like October, I just announced, okay, December 1st, we're starting. You're getting your shots because I figure, you know what, people will be getting their work done and they'll they'll put it out online. And the more we promote it, the more people will be sharing it. Kind of like the internal internal emails at studios of like, you see this film, you see this work. And, um, you know, that's, that's what will get the word out. And that's what absolutely did it. And what kind of got my attention is when I, I was, I was still getting notifications of who was following me and, uh, Shaggy was one of them. And I was like, okay, if Shaggy noticed me, then, uh, this is going to be okay. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and he's just, he's so kind. He's so wonderful. Um, and it just kind of went from there. And, uh, I, it wasn't really picking up any press and cause I honestly never thought it would. And until somebody applied and he said, Hey, I heard about this through anime news network and their story. And I was like, what? Oh, I used to wow. read that way back in the day. That was the only way to get new news other than anime turnpike. <laughs> I've just aged myself great, great, greatly. <laughs> but, um, so that's what helped. And then uh, I got slammed with submissions and, um, you know, you got to go through it because you got a lot of the, the people who sign up with, Oh, I'm just really passionate about this. Tell me what I can do. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any work. Like I have to tell people, you know, passion is energy. You have to put it towards something and then that's how it can help. And, um, it just really kind of snowballed from there. And as people signed up, I gave them rolling deadlines. So it wasn't all due in January. I'm like, okay, if you sign on in January, uh, it's due at the end of February. You sign in February, it's due at the end of March. And it just, it just went like that. And it was just a lot easier to keep track of stuff that way. You know, some people dropped out and then, uh, you know, I have to put the word out again. There was always, there was always an interest in signing on and, um, that's just how it got done. And uh, with Moon Anime, too, I just kind of got overwhelmed. I've been busy with work and uh, had a day job in addition to the night job and then doing this. <laughs> so it's um, it's just getting all that done. And uh, every, it's, I got a load of submissions all at once. So it's kind of going through all that and trying to be a little more selective this time. So if somebody just only has like kind of chicken scratch pencil tests, it's like, you know, I really can't see what you can do. Um, so right now I'm being a little more open. I'm like, okay, yep, I'll find you something because this needs to get done. Um, So it's also going to be in Japanese and, um, you know, putting the subtitles in, that's not going to be too hard. It's just, it's going to take like a week because it's very time consuming because you have to go through it and make sure that it's all timed up right. And After Effects can only show you so much before it starts getting glitchy and like, okay, let's render it. That's going to take a whole day. Let's watch it. And then when you watch it, it's like, it's, it's doing retakes. Like that's a big part of it. And that's a big part of it. And, um, you know, professional world obviously as well. It's just, you sit down on this thing you've been killing yourself over for months and you find out, okay, what's, what's wrong with it? Like, okay, well, you know, mm. GI Joe just turned green for that one sale. So we got to send it back <laughs> and just little things like that. And, uh, even on moon animate one and Bart Kira, there are little things where I'm just like, oh, God damn it. 
but on the other hand, I'm like, no, it's done. I'm not, I'm not rendering that thing again. Yeah. You're like, no, I just gotta, I just gotta say it's, it's finished now. That's it. <laughs> sort of thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's all I can do. <laughs> wow. So I kind of want to ask, like you're saying about how you have the showreels coming in. Presumably that's kind of the way that you kind of establish trust, like mutual trust between each other that, you know, you're, you're a trustworthy person that you'll kind of run the project and then the, the person oh God, I hope who so. wants to contribute. <laughs> yeah. And that the person who wants to contribute is also going to be, you know, will help you actually reach the end goal by by completing their shot. What ways do you feel that a demo reel can communicate that um, a participant is going to be a good fit for the production? Um, you know, it's funny. I didn't quite figure it out until I started doing this. Because, um, you know, when you're in college, you get told, you know, put your best work on there. And it's like, what, what does that mean? Mm. And a lot of us just mainly have pencil tests to show. Um, when I was in House Soda Studio, I was able to sit for uh, real reviews when the animators finally had some downtime. And I just can't emphasize enough. I'm like, you got to impress them immediately. Like, your very best work needs to be able to start. Um, mm-hmm. So when I did my portfolio, I kind of like gradually eased people into it. But, um, you know, there's only so much time in the day. And a lot of it comes down to luck because some people just will never have their real scene because it just comes down to there is no time and this is taking up space on my desk. Mm. So the thing I really looked for was um, I wanted to see completed work. Um, that was ideal. Even for Moon Animate 1, I was like, you know, if you have something to show me, I'll find you something. Because, you know, there are effects shots that need to get done. And mm-hmm. for somebody who's just starting out, you know, that's a good way to, you know, help out. Yeah. I mean, you definitely get some. And I was absolutely one of them where, you know, you give them a very easy shot that's like maybe a couple frames. And it's like, oh, can I have something more? And I'm like, okay, well, show me that you can do this and then I'll give you more. And some of them I would just never hear from them again. And I'm like, all right, well, thanks. That's more work for me. <laughs> um, and then, oh, there's this one terrific guy who like spat it out in like six in uh, six hours. It's like, can I have another one? Wow. I was like, yeah, I got one that's like 13 seconds. You want it? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he still got it in ahead of deadline. Uh, that was Max. Max is just terrific. Oh, Max, um, amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a machine, and his style is very distinct too. But um, yeah, some people just they've got the work ethic and they've got the vision. They know how to do it. So that's really awesome what they can do. <laughs> um, but yeah, the thing, and obviously every studio is completely different about what they want to see. But um. One thing I did notice in um, when I was in house was that if anybody like took the time to make like title credits or like the studio logo, everyone knew like this is gonna be crap. Really? Because if you're taking the time. Yeah, it's just it because you're trying to take the time to like present yourself as something when it's like you know let your work speak for itself, and then once you have the body of work, then you know get the collective name or the LLC going or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. A lot of it was very outdated. A lot of it was just not very good. And then um, something could be like really finely polished and rendered, but the acting just wasn't very good. And that's just what it comes back to, which, you know, to give my teachers a break, you know, it was the fundamentals of acting. So there was one, there was one reel everybody jumped on that was like, play that again. And it was really, really, really low render of um, the animation mentor rigs. And there was a scene, there was a shot being done that was like sending out a brief encounter. And it wasn't melodramatic. It wasn't, you know, acting with the hands like a lot of animation likes to be, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine. (laughs) Uh, It was this very, like, quiet, like, melancholy moment of somebody leaving and saying goodbye. And they were like, oh, my God, put them on the temp list. And that was, like, one person out of, like, 40 DVDs they watched that day. Wow. Oh, and a lot of it, too, was, um, you know, if the DVD doesn't work, Blu-ray doesn't work, if, you know, files are rendered the wrong way, then that can mess things up. And some people do still want to see that on DVDs. But, I mean, fortunately now with YouTube and Vimeo, I think it's a lot easier to get your work out and view things that way because it's always going to work unless, you know, the Internet's weird on your computer. So for me, just like as, I guess you could say as a recruiter, like what I want to see is um, ideally finished work. Like if you have pencil tests but it's really strong, and you have like other work, like illustrations and stuff, like, okay, then we can work with that. Mm-hmm. And I do categorize everything. I have this Excel sheet where I keep track of everyone. I put in their name, their email, and I always 
like Gmail's preferred because you can usually take bigger files. Um, I never want university emails anymore because like they will stop working or somebody will not check them. And yeah. I remember being in college, I never checked my college email. I was so mad when I had to like go through the insane process of getting in there. <laughs> I was the same. Yeah, it's just it's such a pain. My dad's a teacher, and even he he hates checking his work email. <laughs> um, I'll have a link to their website or their reel, just the first immediate thing I can check. Because when I'm running down through shots, I'm like, well, what did, what did I, why did I give this person that rating? What the hell did they do? And then I'll watch their stuff and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, they can handle that. Huh. Um, usually if they have like a request, um, cause some people are working professionals, they don't have a lot of time. So I'll give them like one second or something that's maybe a couple of frames. Um, if there's a specific character they want to do and if they have the work to like back it up, then they, they can handle it. I'm like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Um, and then I'll also include notes of like, okay, here's their style. It's digital 2d, it's 3d, it's puppets. Um, if it's not great, but it's, you know, passable, I'll call it student art because there's a lot of uh, pitfalls that you fall into as a beginner student where, um, mm. you know, your frames pop, um, the acting is still kind of very limited mm-hmm. where it's just sort of melodramatic and what you think is acting is rather than like becoming the character. Um, line, it's a big one and that one's really hard to do i'm personally terrible at line weight that's why from the animation stuff i do here i will weirdly ink it in photoshop or i will just scan the pencil test and color it that way I'm like that's it that's my style deal with it is it okay if like one area in a demo reel isn't as strong as another area like if someone had really amazing line work but their acting isn't quite there um to some degree i think it's, it's easier in a, in a studio um where that work could be used because mm-hmm. you know if you have really strong line art but you know not great acting you could be really good at cleanup mm-hmm. um i think for collaborations like this and definitely in studios um they need to see like you can kind of do everything but i mean you can be an absolutely amazing animator and awful at backgrounds and that's fine because they're completely different and not everybody can do that um mm. I know some shows used to have um, storyboardists and the animatic artists and timers. They were all completely different. And now just, you know, as more software is coming out and just people want to save money on their budgets, it's you wind up, one person winds up doing all three roles. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's a lot more work and um, a lot less time. But um, yeah, usually I try to find something that can work with everybody. I try to gauge, okay, what's like, are they working? What's their style like? And then you have somebody's ill. I'll categorize like digital 2D and just leave it like that. But if their work is really good, I'll add like digital 2D strong and a couple exclamation points. So I know nice. like, okay, save them for the good stuff. Um, <laughs> so it took me a while to, to get to this round of shots. Um, but there were some people who'd signed on a long time ago that I was saving for parts of Sailor Moon's transformation. And so I emailed them and I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's been a while. I was, I've been saving you for this part. Do you still want to do it? And bless them. Everybody wrote back to say, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Send Yay! Me the thing. Oh, that's the best. That's yeah, awesome. That's wonderful. Oh. Yes. So that's, that's a big part of it too. It's just everyone just, it's just have, they just have such a terrific attitude. I have, I can't think of ever having a problem with anybody. Um, everyone just is just, that's a, you know, that's a part of collaboration because animation is collaboration. Mm-hmm. It's just, you gotta be able to play nice with others and there is I mean, there's a lot of people who don't quite cut it or make it an animation because they think you know because I'm an artist you know it's just oh things are so hard or this and that I mean just you, know, you go to any convention you run into it mm-hmm. and you know the people who last are the ones who you get along with who get their work done who have a good attitude and it's not just you know drink the Kool-Aid everything's great 72 degrees and sunny aboard the Axiom mm-hmm. you know it's just, it's just people you want to be friends with it's people you want to work with you like their ideas you like who they are as people you know you genuinely want to know you know how are the kids doing and that's just what makes this like so much easier to do is that it's not having to deal with anybody, you know, having a histrionic fit because there were retakes on their shot, which mm-hmm. happens sometimes. But, you know, all these collaborations I've done, I've just been, everyone's been a wonder, they've just been a really great sport. They've been like willing to do more. 
And I just, it just makes me sad because I know so many people who have that going into professional settings that just kind of doesn't get rewarded. It's, it's expected. It's taken advantage of. Right. You know, like the people that are really positive, you know, they have really good attitudes. Um, you know, they work hard, you know, those are the people that you want to work with. And, you know, as a production coordinator, it seems that you have two sort of conflicting roles. You know, one is that you, like you personally, like you have to see the production through, you need to make sure that you hit your deadline, that you hit the end goal and that you got that, you know, you help everybody get there. But along the same vein, you also want to ensure that all the participants, all the people you work with, that they have a good time and that, you know, those positive relationships are maintained. As a production coordinator, how do you find balance between, you know, achieving your vision and reaching the project's end goal while maintaining those positive relationships with the uh, collaboration participants? You know, it's funny. The one thing I found is just to leave people alone. Yeah. Let them get their work done. Um, You know, it helps with the collaboration. I just... um, it's, you know, I'm not in the same room with these people. So I just send the work out and I trust them to get it in on time. And, you know, sometimes I have to chase after people and be like, you know, where is it? And a couple of people needed extensions. And sometimes I will just put the clamps on and be like, okay, I need it by this weekend or I got to find somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, but because we're all doing this for free, it's, you know, I'm not really going to bust the balls about it. It's, you know, they're doing it when they have time. You know, I was just talking to somebody who's like, you know, I'm, trying to find a couple hours, but you know, like I'm on like three different projects and my wife's about to have a kid. So I'm like, dude, I totally understand. So, um, but you know, when I've been in house as well, I'm, you know, like the, I think just the one really getting an artist craw is if you're just constantly, you know, all up in their hair, just like, Hey, how's it going? Hey, how are things like, are you just working on this? Are you doing that? Some people need to be babysat like that. Like some people like do need you to like be really strict. Like I'm definitely one of them. Like I'm one where like you got to check in with me or I'm all over the place. <laughs> um, pr- professional recruiters, you did not hear that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's why like I make an extra effort to like have very thorough to-do lists, to, like have everything in my calendar because I know my shortcomings. I got to take care of that. Um, mm-hmm. But like when I'm in-house, I will check on people like once a day, you know, we'll have, I mean, outside of rounds and just see if there's anything they need help with. Cause a lot of the time just leave them alone to work. Like that's all, that's a lot of time. That's all they need. And then if somebody does have a problem getting their work done on time, then that's like an overall problem. That's like, okay, well we got to talk to some people about that. Or I just like got to sit them down. I'm like, listen, I really need you to get your stuff done like earlier. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a thing, I'm like, okay, well instead of 6 PM, their work is due at 4 PM. Cause it's entirely possible. They're going to need those two hours to get their stuff done. Like, Oh look, it's still technically on time. So it's, it's just finding a way to work with that. And I just feel like, you know, if you have to yell at people, then, you know, it's the whole production is not great mm-hmm. because that means your higher ups are, don't have your back on that stuff. And I've had to talk to a few people. Where I'm like, listen, I can only be camp counselor asshole for so long before because they can see you guys screwing around and coming in whenever you want. But then I'm the one who's just being mean about it. But if you're not enforcing these rules, they're not going to listen to them. So I can say this all I want, but they're not going to do it unless you follow the same example. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's the best thing I can do is just, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page, you know, otherwise it just, it just, it's all over the place. And you know what, even if it is all over the place, all that matters at the end of the day is just getting the work done. It's like, you know what, we just have to finish this. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think more in a professional setting than anything. Cause when it's personal work or collaboration, then it's like, it doesn't work out, doesn't work out. But you know, when there's money on the line and there's time on the line, those are finite things. And, uh, it just, you know, you just have to get the work done. And then once it's done, it's like, okay, I, don't have to work with these people again until until I have to work with them again because <laughs> this is animation. Um, but I've been extremely fortunate that every, everybody I've worked with has just been terrific. And, um, you know, you got your hiccups here and there, but 
I always try to make a point to be communicative to make sure that we all talk to each other and it just solves so many problems at a time. Mm-hmm. Like I could never, I don't know if I could ever work in a place where it's like, okay, don't, don't tell the artist this and that or else they'll get upset. Oh. Cause I'm more the type to just be like, I'm going to tell them now, let them get upset. And then I'm like, okay, how are we going to figure out a solution? Like what would be an alternative? Mm-hmm. Cause, and then this way it just gets done earlier. So see, this is why I run my own projects. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're able to just, uh, no, 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 totally understandable. Why you'd want to run your own projects, <laughs> yes. especially with all that. <laughs> yeah. I love, I absolutely love being in house. I absolutely love working in studios I love it's and it's I've, again like I've been so fortunate positive experiences but I am but um a lot of the stuff I'm working on I really try it I'm just looking around I'm not seeing it really anywhere else I and mean, I am one of the reasons I am doing these collaborations which I kept forgetting to touch on earlier is that I do have original stuff I've written I do have original stuff I've drawn that I am interested in producing and figuring out okay how do we use the same production model and fundraising is the next part um because I really feel like you know 2d animation in uh the U.S. right now is very strictly for the um, television, and so much of that still gets outsourced anyway to uh, Korea or India or Singapore. And 2D feature is just, you know, hanging on barely by a thread. Um, it's going great in France and Japan and dozens of other countries. It seems, yeah, it seems like everywhere but, uh, else almost. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. 2D's going great. I mean, the stuff France is putting out is just absolutely breathtaking. Mm, yeah. The stuff Goblin put out is just the best work you will ever see. Absolutely. Because mm. there is, like, a certain age range they accept. Like, you have to, like, you have to be amazing going in there, and you get even better when you come out. Yeah. So... So yeah, I just, um, this is a fun production model and I'm like, okay, the collaborations are great, but they're not making money, but mm-hmm. it is showing that this work can be done. Um, yeah, last year I was dragging a little on Barkira cause, um, I was finishing writing a feature and I've gotten in front of a couple of people and, uh, one studio, I was very fortunate to show it to them and they really liked it a lot. Um, but they turned it down because, uh, it was too similar to something else they'd done and it wasn't necessarily like a story that's been done often. You know, you turn on American television and it's doctors, lawyers, cops, and like one more it's like the same kind of thing over and over again because it's you know it's shown this marketable and you know people like watching it as comfort food but this one is not so much a common trope but so they turned it down um but i didn't care i was like oh my god they kept reading like the very fact that there were no i that i got a specific rejection instead of just never hearing from them again and they offered notes of just like not like here's how it's not working but just like you know here is specifically why it's too close to something else we've done. Not like saying it's plagiarism. It's just, it's just, there's too many comparisons and they want to do new stuff. And there were specific stuff they were citing that you would only know if you kept reading like deep into it. And I was like, Oh my God, they kept reading. That's all that matters. That's all that matters that the work was engaging. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care that they turned it down. Like they, they still, they still stuck with it. So I was just thrilled with that. And um, I've talked to a couple other people about this, but I really sat down and I was looking at 2d animation and um, I was like, okay, well, what is it that's kind of holding us back? Because this is a cornerstone of American culture. You know, this really kind of exploded because um, of Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, you know, uh, I've works and the Fleischer Brothers and everybody, my animation teachers will be like, excuse me, we have notes. You left off like 50 names. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a few more that you need to list, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's huh. this thing that's like very distinctively ours. And mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking to see it disappear. So it's like, okay, but you know what? It doesn't have to. It's, um, you know, theater didn't disappear because movies came out. You know, paintings didn't stop because cameras were invented. They weren't being done as often, but the stuff being done had to be at a higher quality mm-hmm. in order to really be shown. And then people will still do their own stuff. It just necessarily get shown all over the place like before. Like it doesn't just because the medium has shifted, it doesn't mean that it's gone entirely. So I really, when I was working on Moon Animate, um, the first one, one of the things I noticed is that it's, a lot of people say, you know, anime is bad. You know, it's bad. You know, obviously the stories are melodramatic. Some of them aren't great. Mm. 
But I was watching, you know, this first season episode of Sailor Moon, and I it, I was amazed just how hard it hit me, just how well this was the show was put together. Mm-hmm. The art direction is I, I'm I'm shocked just like just watching it now like it's so obvious like you just don't kind of realize it until you really are looking at it. you were cutting it down shot by shot and I realized oh my god all the backgrounds like almost all the backgrounds are blues pinks purples and greens and always very pastel-y and but this very vivid color and it never really strays away from that it's this very limited palette for the background Mm-hmm. Um, when they're in hero mode, they are in mostly primary colors. There's very strong primary colors. Wow. When oh. they're in civilian clothes, a lot of the times they're in secondary colors. Really? That's so cool. I never noticed yeah, that yeah, before. And I'm ju- yeah, but it is only because I had to sit down and really look at it. Mm-hmm. And also when I'm looking at these shots, I'm realizing, you know, there's so many long conversations that happen in these shows. And, you know, in American TV, it's completely different. I mean, I mean, The Simpsons, I think, is just first, you know, nine seasons or so, are just, they're perfect. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when Brad Bird is one of your animation directors, you know, that's why. And Brad Bird <laughs> and David Silverman are just... God, I can't sing David Silverman's phrases enough. He's amazing. <laughs> um, but I was really watching that, and I was like, oh, my God, they're having this conversation that's lasting for, like, 12 seconds, and nothing is moving except for their mouths. And it's, it works because they're all staged appropriately. You know, camera's at the right angle of just, you know, showing this is, like, a dynamic conversation that's happening. You know, everyone mm. has, like, different posture as they're sitting. You know, Ray is, like, kind of stretching. Makoto has her arms behind her head. You know, Mina's holding the cat. And they're talking for a while, but it's not like this very like active thing where people are constantly moving around. And, um, you know, I've definitely noticed like some animators trying to get their, um, their shorts off the ground, but the work's not getting done. And I noticed there's a lot of, a lot of being precious with the in-betweens. I was going to describe it in another way. I'm like, nope, (laughs) nope, PG. (laughs) Um, where it's just everything's still kind of being animated on ones and it's being animated very, very fluid and it's beautiful. It's very beautiful, but the work's just not getting done. So I was really looking at, okay, well, what are these other projects that have been done? What are their budgets that have been done, like, say, the last 15 years that are not American productions? So I looked at Persepolis. I looked at The Illusionist, Triples of Belleville, mm. um, Studio Ghibli's work, Satoshi Kon's work. I just kind of like the heavy hitters of indie. Yeah, yeah. And I think with some exceptions for Studio Ghibli, because they're so, they're so heavy duty. And, God, I'm trying to remember Princess Mononoke's budget, but it was up there. But all those movies, like the like the big ones from the last fifteen years, were all made from a budget of anywhere from nine hundred grand to sixteen million. Wow, that's like nothing in comparison. Yeah. like comparison to like, oh, that's that's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the thing to look at is, um, you know, obviously, you know, maybe people aren't being paid what they should be paid. Yeah. But they're still getting out there, and the work's getting done. I think um, it was Perfect Blue that was done for nine hundred grand, and Tokyo Godfathers, which changed my life that was a religious experience watching just, that because i had no idea you i was so i grew up on princesses and superheroes and i had no idea you could use animation to tell a story about three homeless people in japan trying to return a baby to her mom i thought that had to be live action so this was it was so revolutionary i thought i'm gonna have to move to japan if i want to make these kind of movies because we're not doing that here but now i'm like okay no if we want to do that then we can do that you just have to create it yeah we just, we just got to do it yeah I, I saw that for the first time yeah. last year i think and like just this mind-blowing experience I, I had the same thought i was like why is this animated I'm so happy this is animated. This could have been live yeah. action. I'm so happy it's animated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing I really love is like that and King of the Hill um, don't oh, necessarily my. need to be animated, but it works better because of the medium. I mean, Tokyo Godfathers is, well, sort of have sort of realistic acting, but it'll, he'll go broad when he needs to go broad. Like it gets real.
really cartoony in places when it needs to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the rest of the time, it's still very realistic. I mean, the art, it's just very perfectly shows, you know, that's a city and during Christmas. And it's cold out. You can tell how cold it is. So I think they did that for like 1.2. And then, you know, you watch the movie and it's not, it's a lot of it's, you know, obviously very fluid, beautiful animations. I mean, Satoshi Kon, I mean, he made four perfect movies, a perfect TV show, and then died. And I'd only oh. seen Tokyo Godfathers at that point. I didn't see his other movies until after. Mm -hmm. He's just one of those people I took for granted. You know, like Prince, you think they're going to be around forever. And then, oh, my God. Um, so I really just looked at it. And I'm like, okay, well, how can this be done? And Sylvain Chalmay is another one. He is just, I mean, that's another one who's definitely on ones all the time. And very distinct character designs, very, very distinct work. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, the illusion is, I think, Triple Surveillance as well was kind of like a multi-country funded thing. And um, remember seeing the illusionist in theaters, that's with my friend Diana. I was on the edge of my seat watching the colors shift in the background, you know, as like the clouds are moving or just like the time of day. And I couldn't wait to go home and figure out how to do that in Photoshop and After Effects because there's this new technique. And I'm like, I want to see that. Um, in Ponyo, you had those textured backgrounds for the trees. So the trees leaves were being animated around this one texture, but the texture was moving with it. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> this is different. I want to see more of this so i really would have been looking at um you know it's the last 15 years i'm like how is this getting done and um you know obviously some places have bigger budgets and, and you know obviously disney and dreamworks and those places had really big budgets that i think of like 80 million you know just kind of that ballpark because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people to employ and you know there's a lot of stuff to pay for there's a lot of the tech um i was talking to a really good friend of mine um, who's done at Real Effects, and I was asking him about that, and I thought it had something to do with, like, the celebrity talent that, that gets cast, and he said, no, that's a really small part of it. Um, you know, they, they don't get scale, but it's something close to that, and then I, they might get a cut of, you know, the merch or something else. Um, the rest of the time, it's just, you know, paying the salaries of everybody else working on it. You know, some studios will give bonuses based off the domestic gross, not necessarily the international gross, and, you know, sometimes it'll be okay, but not great. So it was definitely looking at that and trying to figure that out. And then, you know, you watch, you know, any, any anime film, and some of them are very fluid, like, you know, Tezuka or Colin or Studio Ghibli. Mm -hmm. But even Ghibli and even Colin will pull it back and they'll allow these quiet moments where it's just, you know, a still shot or just somebody just sitting and staring in the distance. They'll just let a character just like have a moment of peace, you know, they'll show them in thought. It was, I think Ebert had talked about it when he talked to Miyazaki, is the concept of Ma which is um, the silence or the space between spaces. I guess you could call it like the negative space. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just necessarily like the acting, the acting. It's just, you know, letting a moment happen. And um, I think there's something to that. And, um, you know, not everything has to be acting all the time, active all the time, like moving, 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 moving. Sometimes it's just the iron giants in a junkyard, you know, playing with a car hood because he's sad he just saw something die. Mm -hmm. It's allowing these character moments. So... It's, it's, I'm really very passionate about 2D can come back. I think we do have to kind of change our perspective on it because resources and time and income are limited. But I think if like, you know, we're creative people, if we kind of look at it in a creative way and just, you know, like Terry Gilliam working on a small budget or look at Evangelion, uh, their budget got slashed halfway through because of the violence and they were losing sponsors and they made this incredible existential work out of it. Basically like what's left around the office <laughs> that we can add to the voice reel. And it's this I haven't even watched the new stuff because I'm like, no, this, no, stop it. You got it. You stuck the landing. <laughs> the original's perfect. But it's just kind of, you know, working with what you have. And I think that just provokes a lot of creativity that way. So I think it's, it's absolutely something that can come back. And I'm very 
I think that's, I try not to talk about it too much because there is that, there's a psychological thing that was talked about where it's like, if you talk about your plans or what you're working on, then you don't want to actually do it because like, well, I talked about it. So I get the emotional gratification. Yeah, yeah. But, um, there's a, there's a lot of stuff I have in the works and, um, it's funny because some, some of my friends will be like, do you ever take breaks? Do you ever go on vacation? And which is very sweet. Um, I'm very much my mother's child, which is, you know, the work is the vacation. I, we just, <laughs> yeah. we love being at work, makes us happy. My dad does not understand it, but he loves what he does too. You know, he, he's a tenured professor, works two days out of the week, gets to write the rest of the time and he's happy. And me, I like doing the stuff every day, but it's, it's. Oh God, tangent. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, there we go. So my friends were asking, did you ever take vacations? And like, the work is vacation. And the other part is just, you know, it's not this constant terror, like nipping at my heels, but I just, you know, it took, I bounced around to a couple different schools before I graduated. I just remember how much time I took to quote, find myself. And I kind of resent myself for it. I'm just like, you know, dude, you knew what you wanted to do. Just kind of figure out, okay, this is the thing I'm passionate about and I need to make this happen, you know, and I didn't need the time to get the resources to live life. It's, I didn't just want to like jump into doing the art because I feel like a lot of the times you spend all your time around the art, you're not really absorbing life around you. Like you have to go talk to people in other professions. You have to go outside. You got to try and go places. Even if you can't travel somewhere crazy, you know, try and take a day trip to another state and see what things are like there. And if you can't do that, you know, go online, talk, you have to talk to other people. And there is like this kind of introverted stuff that's encouraged. And, um, so I, I, yeah, I needed that time to figure myself out and what I wanted to do, but I just remember how much time I spent being unemployed and not being able to pay my bills and just stressing out about like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do that now I would just so much rather aggressively be pursuing what I want to do because it's, I'm just, yeah, I'm just kind of terrified of falling back into just not having anything. And, you know, anytime I'm kind of overwhelmed, I have to tell myself, you know, dude, busy is better than bored. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got Moon Anime 2 going on. I've got, you know, the feature I wrote. I have something else I want to use the summer to write. But I have, you know, I have a couple sheets of uh, poster paper on my walls that I just wrote all the ideas down on, like the keyword forum or the title forum and just kind of what stage they're in. There, I got like 20 or 30 things up there. So I got stuff to keep me busy, wow. but I'm just trying to discipline myself to be like, okay, you have to finish something every year. Mm-hmm. And, um, whether the feature, I think one of the things I'd like to do is maybe get the animatic done, put that out online and be like, okay, you want to sign on? Here's the plan. Um, if you want to contribute to it, I'm not doing t-shirts or tote bags or any of that crap. $10 gets you the movie, 20 gets you the movie and the animatic. Cause that's just what I have time for. Mm. Yeah. And honestly, what I'm interested in. I just, I hated getting the tote bags and stuff. I'm like, just, just take my money and go bring back reading rainbow. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I don't need the gift. And then, you know, obviously, you know, like we said before, you know, you have the doubts about just, you know, am I on the right path? Am I doing the right thing? But you know, it is the long work. It is sitting mm. down for days, which make up weeks, which make up months, which can make up a year or more and just doing the work. And you, you know, my social life is just completely non-existent at this point. Thank God for the internet. <laughs> but there, you know, you, there are the times you have the doubts, and you know, other times, you know, you're hungover and you decide, oh, I want to go see the Iron Giant. It's back in theaters for two days, and you sit down, and it opens with that documentary, and you hear Brad Bird say, "I miss 2D animation," and you start crying. Yeah, and you're just like, I know what I need to do. Yeah, it seems I, like you- I, it just hit me so hard, and I was yeah. like, this is. This has to happen. Yeah. It's a calling. Yeah. It's like you don't need the permission of someone of like of a job from someone else to to animate something in 2D or and or in whatever medium you want to animate it in. It's totally great to have a job to pay your bills. That's not animation related. 
if you just sit down and allow yourself to work on what you want to, it's, it seems like, like giving yourself that permission is the important part, mm. you know? Yeah. And I think that's absolutely, um, what we were talking about earlier with, um, I think a lot of this generation is that we are waiting for permission because we did grow up with a lot of the structure of go to school, get your homework done on time, graduate, go to college, go to a good college, mm-hmm. um, graduate, get the job, work, do all the things. And that, that has just vanished. So we had like this steady path that just kind of crumbled into dust and we're all kind of flailing. And it's like, okay, you got to sink or swim. And so many of us are just not used to that. And that's, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are Gen Xers who are like, yeah, dude, no, we, we did that. And it's like, I think we just got a completely different set of instructions. So I'm trying to tell all my friends, I'm like, go hustle. Even if you have to wait tables, every other actor in Hollywood is doing that right now. Just go do something. Cause I think we are waiting for permission. We are waiting for Disney to bring back 2d feature and it's just kind of realizing in your own time, like, okay, it's not going to happen. It will happen when I make it happen. Yeah. So, um, you know, I went from, you know, basically throwing myself at the gates of literally every shop in town around the country, just like banging on the gates until my fingers bled. And then it's when I stepped back and was like, okay, well I'm going to go be awesome. I'm going to go do this thing that makes me happy. That's what's, you know, that's what's getting the attention. That's, I think even Bill Ammond like shared Moon Animator, Bart Kira. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh my God, I read Foxtrot in the third grade. This is, your, oh my God. That's wow. amazing. That's so like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, there's like different things every day where I'm like, oh my God, that person saw it. Oh my God. And um, it's funny because my friends have yelled at me. They're like, how come you're not like internet famous by now? Like your name should be all over this. Like you keep crediting all these other people. And I'm like, well, they, they did all the work. And they're like, you put it together, you idiot. Oh, um, so on the, on the, which is true. Um, but on the one hand, you know, there is, um, I am like sort of reluctant. I like, I don't like, I want to take the spotlight and be like, well, I'm this genius who did it all together. Cause there is a lot, there are a lot of people who think like the focus is a lot on like who produced it. And who was a celebrity voice acting when, you know, I watch these round tables and I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, can you talk about the animators or the directors or people who did the artwork? Mm -hmm. Um, It is a collaboration. So it is not just, you know, like the big names. It's everybody. It's, you know, it's not communist, but something like it's socialist. (laughs) Um, Like we're all just pitching in. So I really don't want to be like, I'm the genius to put this all together. It's just, you know, I had an idea and God bless these hundreds of people who decided, yeah, I'll help out. And we made a thing. show to end on that was so good it was perfect (laughs) it was so good i oh my goodness when kate said it will happen when i make it happen i think that is my new mantra for the rest of the year yeah it's so good it's so good i feel that quote in my bones it's so fabulous i just want to go and do things all of her talk on work ethic and just the fact of uh, hustling and like her whole mindset of like, hey, you got it. Like, you need income so that you can make what you want to make. So just mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, it was so good. It's perfect. And then for me, I think like from a technical standpoint, one of my favorite bits throughout the whole interview was all of her great talk on demo reels, and super topical, very relevant to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was just, I was taking notes. I was just like, yes, yes, I will do this. I'm gonna incorporate this. I'm gonna incorporate <laughs> this. Perfect. Um, oh man, it was my favorite. 
Thank you so much, Kate, for all the goodness. It was incredible. It was super good. Thank you for sharing all your thoughts and life experience. Oh. It was really, really good. Gosh. Ah, amazing. Well, since recording with Kate, she is actually furthering her pursuit of writing her own material Ooh. and is now actually taking a master's at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London. Oh, fabulous. It's very exciting. Yes. It's huge. Congratulations. Yeah. So in her own words, animation might be on the back burner for a bit, but it is not gone forever. If you want to follow what she's up to, you can find her on Twitter at The Bouncing Bird. Please show her your support. And when you're looking up her, her username, her Twitter handle, just literally imagine a bouncing bird. And that's her name. And I love it. The <laughs> visual's perfect. <laughs> it's so good. Right? Likewise, if you'd like to show support for the DIY animation show, please consider throwing us a coffee over at coffee.com forward slash DIYA show. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com forward slash D-I-Y-A show. Yeah. The price of a cup of joe will go directly towards funding the creation of the show, helping with hosting costs, admin fees, and ultimately enabling us to grow the show, which is the stuff we get really excited about. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to donate or just buy us a cup of coffee, that would be amazing. Thank you so much for your generosity. It means, well... A lot. It really does. A huge bunch. <laughs> All the bunches. We appreciate you very, very much. Thank you. Yeah, we really do. Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm. So join us next time in part two of Kate's interview as we dive even deeper into the conversation on fan animation collaborations. Ooh. And, of course, we discuss the one most vital thing Kate thinks a DIY animator needs. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DIYA Show. Uh, also on Facebook, the DIY Animation Show. And of course, there's the website, DIYanimation.show forward slash DIYA20. That's two zero, where you will find all the links for this very episode. You can also listen to the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. We'll see you next time with Kate Part 2 on Wednesday, September 18th. Mark your calendars! Yeah! Woohoo! In the meantime, have a super awesome day where you are. Please say hi via our socials or on the website. Yep, and if you have any thoughts on this episode or previous episodes, mm. we just have some general animation creative musings. We would absolutely love to chat with you about them. We would. So send them our way. Yes, please do. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the flip-flop. Yeah, fully hot. And have fun animating. Woohoo! See you next time, Wednesday, September 18th. Bye! Bye. The DIY Animation Show is an indie production from your hosts, Jessica Dahl and Lauren Morse. Our theme music was provided by Azure Flux. Subscribe at DIYanimation.show. If you liked this podcast, Maybe you'll enjoy more art and story podcasts from our friends at the Oatly Academy of Visual Storytelling, featuring insights from some of the most inspiring voices in animation, games, biz effects, comics, and children's books. Find them at friendsofdiya.com. We'll see you next time. Bye!
So, oh my God, where the hell was I going with that? 2D. Okay, I'm back on track. Sorry, edit that part out. Um, 